Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we got another massive game uh, this weekend. Oklahoma State traveling to uh, the Little Apple. Uh, have you ever been to the Little Apple? Uh, I have never been to the Little Apple. I've heard good things, good tailgating scene, uh, pretty decent atmosphere at night, but no, never been to the Little Apple. It reminds me a lot of Stillwater. I think it gets a it gets a bad rap, kind of like Stillwater does. One Paul Feinbaum, you know, sticking his foot directly into his mouth this week. I didn't wasn't even plan on talking about that, but um, it reminds me a lot of Stillwater. Great Aggieville's kind of their bar district. It's a great, it's just a great college town. I think it gets a bad rap. Now there's there's not a lot to do there, uh, but it's it's a quintessential college town. So if anyone's Planning on making the trip up, I, uh, I highly recommend it. It's a it's a it's a great time. Uh, so you've never been there, huh? Any any other places in the Big Twelve you've never been? Uh, I have not been to a lot of the places in the Big Twelve. I'm not really a a road game guy. You know, I, I worked in radio for about five years, but we didn't travel to the road games uh, like you did with TV. And I'm just not a spend a whole bunch of money on a big weekend to go to a road game guy. So uh, yeah, I've been to Austin. Uh, I've actually never been to a game in Norman. I've been to Norman, obviously. I've been to the football stadium for something else, uh, but I've never actually been to a game in Norman. So uh, been to Waco, but never been to a game. So yeah, my uh, my resume is pretty thin in terms of opposing uh, college football stadiums I've visited. Yeah, see, I went to way more um, in college as a fan. Obviously, I, I'm like you. I, I worked in the media. I did go to quite a bit of road games uh, for TV purposes, but you're working those. You're not. You don't have some ton of time to go hang out. You got shows to do and places to be. Uh, but in college, I went on the road a lot, and of course, that was when Mike Gundy just could not figure out a way to win a road game. So they weren't much fun. The, the games themselves, but they were always uh, fun trips to to go on. But uh, before we get to the breakdown of uh, Oklahoma State. At Kansas State, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's sponsoring the pod. As always, there's a lot to get to, Colby, with the uh, the matchup against Kansas State. And I, and I do want to get to some of those things, but kind of some lingering uh, thoughts I had from the Texas game. And this is something that you and I didn't discuss on the post-game pod. And again, we're going to do another post-game pod for uh, Kansas State. We're going to do it again Sunday at noon on live on YouTube. You can interact with us if you join the live show and you're able to see us as well. Uh, if not, we'll, we'll still post the podcast as we have been doing on all the usual platforms. Uh, but one thing we did not discuss that uh, came up yesterday on the radio, I was listening to the Sports Animal and Barry Trammell had an amazing stat that I didn't really realize, Colby, and I wanted to pose it to you. Texas had 19 possessions against Oklahoma State, which means OSU had 13 stops which again is an incredible amount of not only plays to face, but to get 13 stops is incredible. And I looked it up. No other Big 12 team had more than 12 possessions, let alone 13 possessions. And OSU had 13 stops. And, you know, Colby, somewhere there's a national writer looking up total yardage and speculating, well, well look, OSU's, and OSU is near the bottom in, in total uh, defense and, and yards given up. 
but it doesn't paint the entire picture because, <laughs> again, they had 13 stops, made a ton of plays, had a pick six that would have counted if if Tech didn't have or Texas didn't have a false start. I just Colby, I can hear it now. There's going to be a lot of writers and, and talking heads talking about how bad OSU's defense is, not realizing how many possessions they've actually faced versus some of the better defenses in the country, like uh, Iowa, for instance. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get to Iowa here in a little bit. But, Carson, it's it's the reason context is so important whenever we discuss these games. And it can be hard in college football to have the appropriate context surrounding all these conversations. Uh, but it, it's just – it matters. It matters. And Oklahoma State oftentimes, I think, gets the short end of the stick whenever it comes to context because, like, those games, like you said, Texas Tech was 104 plays. Texas was 19 possessions. To face that offense – those skill players, Carson Quinn Ewers, again, the hype's there. I, I haven't seen enough production yet uh, to go along with that. But the skill players, I mean, Worthy, B. John Robinson, even Roshan Johnson, these guys, J.T. Sanders, the big tight end. That's 19 possessions you're facing those guys. That matters, and it is vastly, vastly different from, I don't even know, Michigan and Penn State, where Penn State's going to have the ball nine times, and that's the game. That's what you have to do. You've got to stop them, I don't know, six out of nine times. So they score three. They score on a third of their possessions, just like Texas did on six of their 19, which is roughly a third. So if a team scores on three of its nine possessions and all of a sudden they've only put up 17 points, that looks much different on a final scoreboard than 31. The yardage looks different. It's the reason context is important. But, but context, I don't feel like, has made its way to the college game as much as it has in the pro game. And maybe it's because in the NFL there are 32 teams. It's much easier to condense everything and know more about everyone. Whereas in college football, even in the Power Five, you're dealing with a ton of teams. You expand it beyond that to the group of five and then even lower level uh, college football. All of a sudden, there, there's just too much for people to take it all in so we don't have uh, the individualized analysis of these programs just look at a box score total yardage total points given up and here's where we're at but Carson that context that often gets lost it's only lost on the Oklahoma States of the world and the TCUs of the world and those type of schools Cincinnati last year those are the schools that don't get the benefit of the doubt whenever it comes to context when Alabama and Tennessee play a game where there's 1200 yards of offense and 101 total points scored all of a sudden context matters and people start pointing these things out national shows are talking about it but that context oftentimes get gets left out of the conversation if you don't have one of these classic helmet logos in college football. And as we know all too well, Carson, Oklahoma State doesn't typically fall in that helmet logo category. And some of you may be listening and wondering why we harp on what the national media says. Why do you care? Who cares about the context as long as they keep winning? Yeah, like we all know if OSU keeps winning, they're going to be in a good spot. But the point is if they do, they're going to be compared against these other teams. And Colby, I'm getting just flashbacks back to 2011. Oklahoma State being compared against Alabama. You know, the, the arguments for Alabama, they, they really didn't have one, first off, in terms of resume and quality top 25 wins. <laughs> OSU dwarfed them in that. That didn't seem to matter. But I'm sure the same arguments will come up. We'll, we'll look at how many yards they give up. They're... They're 120-something in the country in, in uh, total defense. And look at the amount of yards they give up. Not understanding on a yards-per-play basis, OSU's defense was elite in 2011. And especially when you factor in when their starters were on the field versus their backups, which against Kansas, their backups were on the field in the second quarter because they were up like 49 to nothing in the first half. And so 
that's why this matters. That's why we bring it up. And that's why the context, Colby, that you're referencing matters because we're about to start having some serious conversations. I think the college, I didn't even watch it. I, I, I try not to the, the college football playoff shows. I think the first episode was this week, but it's going to start mattering a ton. If Oklahoma state is able to get by Kansas state, because you look at their schedule, Colby, there's not a whole lot left that scares you past, you know, Bedlam if they are able to get past Kansas State. That's why that context does matter moving forward so much. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm looking here. Did we – the college football playoff rankings have not come out yet. I think next week is the first one. Yeah. Uh, well, I was I was at a restaurant, and Herb Street was up there, and they had the top six up there. I guess that was – it did say AP rankings, but they had it in a bracket format to where, you know, I'm, oh, I'm having dinner, I'm glancing. I'm like, oh, this must be, must be the first week of the show, so – I'm yeah, mistaken. The, uh, the most recent ones have Cincinnati at four and Notre Dame at five. So unless those teams are both being grossly overrated this year uh, by the committee, I think those are from last December. But uh, yeah, Carson, the narratives get shaped. And as we know, it's it's not computers in these rooms. We all got mad at the computers. So we handed it over totally to people, which there are some pros and cons to that. There's pros and cons to the computer. There's pros and cons to the people. But the narrative shapes who gets into these playoffs and who doesn't. Carson, we talked about it uh, on our show after the win against Texas about what it could potentially look like at the end of the season. Now, that is barring Oklahoma State just going on a great run, winning the rest of their games, winning the Big 12 championship. Possible, probably unlikely. It's, it's hard to go 12-1, and one, especially if you're playing 10 straight weeks. You get injuries, no buys, stuff like that. But, but just for the sake of argument, if they do – now we're in a scenario where Michigan and Ohio State could each have one or fewer losses. Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama could all have one or fewer losses. Clemson, despite the fact that they keep sneaking by, could finish the season undefeated. It, it The narrative shaped these things, and I worry that all of those narratives are going to be stronger than Oklahoma State's. I mean, we saw Texas as a two-loss team. ESPN had them higher in their playoff percentages than TCU or Oklahoma State when both those teams were undefeated. It just a lot of it doesn't make sense, Carson. Um, and, and it's it's a balance, like we talked about a few weeks ago. It's a balance between not letting it consume you and get so upset about it that it just ruins your day, but also acknowledging that these things do matter in college football and that it's not just random people on TV uh, just spitting out word vomit. These are the people crafting the narratives that determine uh, who gets to play for national championships. So the expansion of the playoff will certainly help that. But in the meantime, you've got to do everything you can to make those narratives uh, go in your favor. And for Oklahoma State, that probably means some style points somewhere along the way since they just don't excel in the HL metric. Who am I kidding? I cannot wait to hate watch the college football playoff show. Uh I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Herb Street or Desmond Howard or Joey Galloway, whoever the heck they have on there. I cannot wait for them to try to look into that camera lens and try to convince me that the Big Ten is good at football. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait to hear the reasoning as to why the Big Ten doesn't stink. I just, I can't wait. We're not there yet, Colby, but who am I kidding? That's going to be appointment television for me. Uh, yeah, it is. speaking of the Big Ten stinking, do you think now's an, an okay time to just pivot to uh, the Iowa conversation I want to have today? Yeah, let's get to that before we get into some of the talking points from uh, OSUK State. So I saw this headline, and I had to click on it, because when you see a headline like this, how can you not? ESPN's data proves Iowa Hawkeyes would have been more successful punting on every first down. So Iowa lost 54-10 to 10 against Ohio State. 
on Saturday. A uh, bunch of those drives for Ohio State started in Iowa territory, naturally, because Iowa had to play offense at some point. So uh, Bill Connolly, who does some good things, some not so good things, but uh, he throws this nugget out there, and this was a good thing. So he breaks down the drive chart, all the drives, the plays, uh, past tendencies, all this stuff. He's got all these charts for Iowa and Ohio State. And essentially what he's saying is that with a 40-yard net average on each first down punt, doing so would have created an extra 14.3 yards of field position for the Iowa defense per drive. Now, it would have taken an Iowa field goal off the board because Iowa, they went on a heater, Carson, and they drove far enough down the field to get in field goal range and kick a field goal. It also would have taken a pick six off the board. So that is a net gain there. Uh, He goes a little bit deeper on it with some of the analytics, but Carson, Iowa, when playing against good teams who will force them to turn the ball over, is better off statistically to punt on first down and hope that their defense can score. And that is so, so beautiful and just a poetic view of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Which is incredible. I like th- This is where we've reached. This is like the perfect storm from everything I've been saying. Because I was reminded this week, Colby, did you know back in uh, – let me pull up the tweet. I was – I was scrolling through Twitter. Actually, Justin Southwell, friend of the pod, does our uniform stuff for uh, pistols firing. He passed this nugget along to me that I'd, I'd kind of forgotten, but I, I do remember this, and it only furthered my notion from five years ago about the Big Ten stinking so bad. Did you know Iowa, this same Iowa team you're referencing that would be better off punting on first down, just last October was ranked number two in the country. You want to talk about a conference that gets an incredible amount of unwarranted hype just because Ohio State happens to play in that conference? Look no further than Iowa playing a cream puff, Charmin soft schedule being ranked number two in the country. They also ended up winning, I think, 10 games last year and going to the Big Ten title game. Probably got shellacked. Who cares? It's a moot point. But this team that is offensively inept is able to win 10 games in that conference and was ranked second in the country. I cannot wait for the playoff show to try and convince me this league's any good at football whatsoever. Yeah. And you mentioned Ohio state and that's what it is, right? Like Ohio state is good at football. Ohio state's great, but Ohio state's an extreme outlier in that conference. Michigan has gotten better. I still, the problem though, Carson, we don't know how good Michigan is until they play Ohio state. If you want to tell me Michigan's good because they beat Penn State, I'm sorry. I don't buy that argument. Penn State, I mean, their resume lacks as well. So it's just Ohio did you, State. Did you see – I had this kind of saved. Did you see Michigan's schedule for next year? I mean, uh, it's- yeah, Michigan has uh, – they've fully taken on the idea that they are just going to schedule a rum-dum every week that they can because they know, regardless, they know that just because they're Michigan – Nothing else matters. You beat Ohio State or you don't. You beat them. You get in with zero losses. You don't. You still might get in with one. Why would we schedule anybody in the non-con? Their non-conference is East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. And then they get to play Rutgers, Minnesota, you know, the, all, the, the also-rans and the Big Ten. And I thought this was a great tweet by Kevin Clark, uh, formerly of The Ringer. I think he's with The Athletic now. He says, there is sadly no incentive if you're Michigan to play a tough schedule. None. If you win the two games that are toss-ups, you make the playoff. If you win one, you might sneak in. Teams like Michigan can go full Floyd Mayweather and pick their spots. And that, 
And that is why I get so riled up about the Big Ten stinking right then and there. Because you got the Big 12 playing around Robin, playing everyone in their conference. It's going to add more losses to the, to the top dogs on their, on their ske- on the, uh, schedules. And you get these teams that literally can't complete a forward pass with these artificially inflated records. And so this, to bring this home, Colby, this is, this is why I get so fired up about the Big Ten stinking so bad. And they've gained the system up there between Michigan and Ohio State. They look around, they see Rutgers and Nebraska, whoop-de-freaking-do. All we got to do is worry about the one game that matters on our schedule, and we'll be good to go. So I don't want to spend the rest of the pod complaining about this, but it, it matters, and it's, it's a huge flaw in the sport. And I just hope we get more Big 12, Big 10 matchups. And I just hope – Get once that 12 team playoff, and I've said this before, give me Michigan in the playoff either this year or when that 12 team thing happens. Cause I want to see this big bad Michigan defense have to stop Spencer Sanders and Stefan Johnson Jr. I, I, I would love to see it. Uh yeah, no, I would too. And it's saying that the Big Ten has figured out a way to game the system, that's the perfect way to push it, to, to put it. Michigan is gaming the system. Carson, on a 12-game schedule for a team like Oklahoma State in the Big 12, and we're doing this year, Kansas is better. Kansas hasn't been this in years past. So the Big 12 has had its rum-dum free win for about a decade. But the Big 12 no longer has its rum-dum free win. You at least have to play some measure of good football every week in the Big 12 if you're going to win conference games. Michigan, Carson, I would say that they actually have to play good football, put a good four quarters of football together, probably about three times per regular season, three out of 12, as opposed to eight or nine out of 12 in the big 12 conference. And no, West Virginia is not a world beater. Neither is, neither is Iowa state, Kansas. These teams are not going to compete for national championships, but they're good, solid football teams that you have to show up and play well to beat. Northwestern isn't that. Illinois, Indiana, uh, this year's Wisconsin team, Nebraska, Rutgers. uh, I'm missing a bunch even off the top of my head. You you can show up and play those teams, play poorly, and still beat them. It just – yeah, they, they yeah. in the system. Yeah, it's just you can't even list them all. There's so many rum dums in that conference. Just so many free wins that aren't being afforded to teams elsewhere, and yet yep. they're still getting the benefit of the doubt in every national conversation. It is it, it, the way college football's champion is decided, uh, and the way the rankings are determined. It is it is a flaw in the sport, Carson. You're yeah, absolutely. Like, right. the, I keep going back to remember the heart of Dallas Bowl when Purdue played Oklahoma state, that was probably the worst Mike Gundy team he's had other than the first seasons. The only time he didn't make a bowl game. I'm struggling to remember a a bowl team that was worse than that team. And it looked like, it looked like Alabama playing Savannah state. It was like a complete and total athletic mismatch offensive wizard. Like, they looked. They looked over at the Oklahoma State sideline. Like, what off? Like, what are they? What? What's playbook is this? We've never seen the shotgun. We've never seen this. These many athletes on the field at one time, and it's just that's another reason Ohio State's been able to dominate that conference. They're one of the few teams up there that knows what the shotgun is in a spread offense. So they have superior athletes and a superior offense up there. So, and the, the SEC also games the system, Colby, by only playing eight conference games. That's one less loss for every team in their conference. They don't do the round robin either to where 
you can avoid the top dogs in those leagues. So it hasn't been an evil, even playing field conference wise. It hasn't been in terms of evaluating defenses in a, in a per play basis. And so I think the 12 team playoff will make this all moot and I can't wait for that. But for now it's going to be a frustrating time for Oklahoma state fans watching these playoff shows. If Oklahoma state keeps winning and uh, certainly I just hope we get matched up with a, a big 10 team. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I do remember that heart of Dallas Bowl. It was what Purdue did that day could be loosely defined as football. They were totally shocked. It's Carson, imagine what it would be like to take a team from a previous era and put them in the modern era. That's what that heart of Dallas Bowl was. And like you said, it's one of the worst teams that Mike Gundy has has had in the past 15 years. So, uh, yeah, that's Big Ten football for you, Carson. Let's move on. This is the Big Ten Hate Podcast, uh, even though that's kind of our, our plan. Uh, yeah, we – we don't really discuss what we're going to talk about. We just kind of go on tangents sometimes. But uh, it's not too far from the Big Ten what what Kansas State does, although I have a lot more respect for their program than almost every program up there in the Big Ten. But uh, huge questions surrounding the quarterback position, Colby. Adrian Martinez, according to Colin Klein, who's now the quarterback's uh, coach slash offensive coordinator up there, says it's going to be a game-time decision on Adrian Martinez. Uh, the backup, Will Howard, uh, played really well in a relief. Uh, Martinez, it was a very weird situation, Colby. Martinez played the first series, uh, got hit on the first play. He did not finish, or he may have finished that series, but we never saw him again. And Will Howard was quarterback the rest of the way. Uh, Howard will go if Martinez can't, but who would you rather face if you're the OSU defense? You know, Howard, much better thrower, although he likes to throw it to their team. Martinez much more dynamic on the ground, but isn't that great of a thrower, which OSU's been susceptible to this season. Uh, given the choice, who would you rather face? And we all know OSU's history with uh, backup quarterbacks. Yeah, no kidding. It's uh, Usually it's the surprise backup quarterback that gets them, though, more so than the, uh, the guy that you know is coming. I still think you'd probably rather face Will Howard. Adrian Martinez has been in more moments. He's played in more big games. Uh, he's got more experience. I, I do think that he is a better player. Um, that being said, Carson, I, I don't know. It kind of just feels like they're similar. And I don't know. I kind of feel like this is a good matchup for Oklahoma State. Matchups make fights. And Kansas State is weird. And under Kleiman, it's been even weirder where, he, I mean, he just can't lose to OU. No matter how hard he tries, he just can't lose to OU. He also can't beat OSU. For all the close games that OSU and Kansas State have had over the years, Kleiman's 0-3. So it, maybe it's just a matchup makes fight situation. Oklahoma State's been really good in the front seven the past few years, which makes it tough for Kansas State to do what they do, which is just run it 55 times a game. Deuce Vaughn, uh, you know, Oklahoma State has done a better job, I think, than other Big 12 schools of keeping him in check. I just feel like this back and forth between Oklahoma State and Kansas State, it's just a matchup thing where I think Oklahoma State has matched up well over the years, and these seem like pretty similar teams, so I – I don't know why that would be different this week. It's always been close games, and it should be again this year. Uh, Vegas has Kansas State favored by one and a half at home, which leads me to believe one of two things. Either they think Martinez is playing, or they think that the difference between the two is negligible. So, um, yeah, I, anyway, I, I just I think it's a good matchup for Oklahoma State, like it is pretty much year in, year out. I, am I overstating that, Carson? No, I mean, I think they're just similar programs. Look, I've always compared uh, Mike to Bill Snyder. I think, you know, Kansas State used to be Kansas bad or Baylor bad from the early days of the Big 12. They were, like, by far the worst program in the country. 
And I, while Oklahoma State certainly has much more tradition than, than Kansas State, I think Gundy has elevated OSU to a place that they've never really been consistently. And I think they're both good, uh, good on special teams, disciplined. They don't get a lot of penalties. They're just they're very similar. I think styles make fights. I think OU is a much different style than Oklahoma State, and, and certainly when, when discussing discipline and you know style of play. Uh, so I think that's why they've played so many close games. How they've been able to beat Oklahoma as regularly is is crazy. I, I don't understand it. Um, that I can't really explain as well. But I just I think the styles is, is why it ends up being a close game. And I, I just think um, in terms of the quarterback position, I just I go back and forth. I think you'd much you'd always rather play the backup, right? That's just that's just where I land on it. But um, I don't think Martinez is going to play. Gundy, did you did you hear what Gundy said? He goes, he he just flat out said that Martinez was playing as if as if he knows, which <laughs> I think he's just trying to get his guys ready for anything. But uh, I would much rather face Will Howard because coming into the TCU game, Martinez had been excellent, even though he didn't throw a lot of touchdowns. He he absolutely destroyed Oklahoma and Norman. Howard to me far more unproven, far far less dynamic, and. Uh, I think I'd much rather face Will Howard, but it, look, it's it's going to be a close game, and I don't want to get to my picks yet. But I I feel a little differently than you do in terms of I don't know, just this always being a nail biter. Uh, yeah, it normally is. It's interesting. I looked up special teams because Kansas State has historically had great special teams. We've seen them burn Oklahoma State with it. Uh, I still remember Byron Pringle just running all up and down Boone Pickens Stadium. One of those was on a kick return. One of his, I think, four touchdowns uh, in that 2017 home game that Oklahoma State lost. So Oklahoma State is now at uh, number six in the country, Carson, in special teams efficiency. Um but you got to go down to 41 to find Kansas State, which I was a little bit surprised about. Uh, figured they would have been higher than that. So, yeah, Oklahoma State still top 10 at number six in special teams efficiency this year. Kansas State at 41. So, uh, like most weeks, Oklahoma State will have, should have an advantage there. Carson, it should come as no surprise. You could probably guess it, but we, we could be here all day because it's a random school. Shane Beamer, the Beamers are number one in the country in special teams efficiency. Shane Beamer grew up in a house that valued special teams more than any other house in the United States of America. Frank taught him his ways, and South Carolina is number one in the country in special teams ratings. And by the way, the gap from one to two is massive. Massive, Carson. Really? How massive? Uh, it is 1.49 for South Carolina, 1.10 for Michigan. And then you get down to like point. Oh, Michigan's up there. Well, shoot, it's it's easy to be good on special teams when there's literally barely a football team on the other side. Well, I mean, it's a lot of punt returns, a lot of punt returns, Carson. So you got to factor that in. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was, I was punt return or punt punters probably got a sore leg still. I'm trying to see if I can find in here what element of special teams uh, makes Michigan so good on that side of the ball. Uh, punt return, yeah. Now nah, this is. It's well, too much. What's what's it's interesting to me, what's interesting to me about that though is is you and and not just you, but myself and everyone. When we talk about Kansas State, it's almost like we still talk about them like they're still coached by Bill Snyder. Cause like we're referencing like what they're good at. And it it, it really does still kind of look like that, right? I know Kleiman came from a completely different program. It's not like he was promoted from within, but it's it's interesting, right? They they haven't changed virtually at all in, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, they're 
I mean, right now they got Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez. They remind me a lot of L. Roberson and, and Darren Sproles. It's almost like nothing really has changed despite, you know, a legend retiring up there. That's what's interesting to me. Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't look a ton different. Um, and I give Climbing a lot of credit because outside of Bill Snyder, no one has been able to have success ever at Kansas State. And Climbing's come in and has he set the world on fire? No. But he's a good coach, and he's got Kansas State in contention for a Big 12 championship uh, this season. I mean, Oklahoma State and Kansas State play Saturday, and this is just another one. This is the part of the schedule for Oklahoma State that we all knew that was going to determine whether they made it to Jerry's world. Saturday is the third one of those in a row for Oklahoma State. They're one and one. They need to win Saturday. But so does Kansas State, and whichever team wins this game is going to be on the fast track to a rematch with TCU at Jerry's world, and Kansas State's favored. So if Chris Kleiman is able to make it to a a – conference championship game uh this relatively early in his tenure i know we we live in an instant gratification society and if you haven't done it in the first year or two uh everybody's ready to fire you and move on but at a place like kansas state to have your team competing for conference championships that's all that that university can really ask for and i think climbing's done a good job so i give him credit uh it wasn't some massive overhaul he didn't go in and try to turn him into texas tech he is good at a lot of the same things apparently that bill snyder was good at they played fundamental football they run the ball a lot uh they try to make you make the mistake and they've been pretty good at it why in the world is, is kansas state favored with all the questions surrounding their quarterback well lack of respect for oklahoma state remember the cowboys are the best power five team in the country against the spread um yeah no i don't know carson it, by the way i'm just thinking of this now is, has Oklahoma State covered against the spread in every game this season? I think the answer is no. They didn't cover against Central Michigan. They, they, have, a, they have as an underdog. Not, yeah, you're right, not as a favorite. Let's see. They did not cover against Central Michigan. They did against Arizona State. Uh, Pine Bluff's not a real game. That's a scrimmage. They covered against Baylor. They covered against Tech. They covered against TCU. And they covered against Texas. Yeah, they've covered in every game since yep. Central Michigan. Yep, that's right. So I... That to me is very strange, and you would think Vegas would know OSU's record against them, and they do know that for sure. So that I think that just tells you that Vegas has a lot of respect for Kansas State, despite uh, the quarterback being banged up. Speaking of injuries, Jason Taylor was named a semifinalist for the Thorpe Award. He's one of 12 semifinalists for the best defensive back in the country. Very well-deserved honor. But Colby, as we all know, that that interception he had late in that game against Texas, he hurt his knee. Uh, the reports from, I believe, his mother was that he hyperextended it. There's a chance he could play. I I haven't heard anything definitive, but I would I kind of just the way he landed on that. Maybe he'll play, Colby. But I just the way these things go, I'd be very surprised if he did, which would which would lead to more shuffling in the secondary for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, I, I said earlier this week. Jason Taylor told Robert Allen on the postgame show that he was fine, that he's good. That's that's adrenaline. That's the player talking. Uh, that's not the medical staff talking. I, I can't imagine that he'd be ready Saturday unless it really was one of those scenarios, Carson, where it scares everybody at first, even the player, and then all of a sudden you check it out and it's like, okay, that wasn't so bad. Just a, a, a wrong landing, but fortunate. Nothing, uh, nothing tore. Nothing was strained too bad. We're good. We're good. Ice it for a few days, uh, wrap it up, and, and not even that big a deal. But uh, I, I think that's about the only scenario where he plays on Saturday because it, it just it didn't look good, Carson. He comes flying in. He makes a great play. It didn't look good. Uh, I, I do think that that's a problem for Oklahoma State. I'll say this. If your star safety is going to miss a game, 
I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that he misses the game against one of the teams in the conference that wants to run the ball more than anybody else. Because you, you miss that safety against Texas Tech, and all of a sudden they're throwing it 70 times. Maybe that safety's a little bit more missed than against Kansas State, where they might drop back 30 times. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that he'll play. Uh, it will be a, a pleasant surprise if he does. I think the other guys on the back end have done a pretty good job. Uh, Flanagan, Kendall Daniels, Jabbar Muhammad played some safety last week. I think those guys have done a good job, uh, but it's just hard to replace Jason Taylor. He's so good, Carson, and we've talked about it time and time again. If you need somebody to be in the right place at the right time, Jason Taylor is that guy, and he's done it in the Little Apple with what I still think is one of the biggest plays of his entire career. Yeah, the was that the fumble return? Yeah, scoop the scoop and score. The scoop and score. That was uh was that I was trying to remember like the first play he made that really got him on the radar. Was it the block field goal? Maybe uh, I don't know. He he's made so many they all run together. It might have been the scoop and score in Manhattan. It really might have been. Because that was the difference. You remember, Carson, Oklahoma State was losing that game. Like, that game was lost. And then all of a sudden, ball comes out in an inexplicable time for Kansas State. Boom, to the house. Yeah, I'm pulling up his game log. I was trying to remember back. Uh, well, shoot. he's He played all the way back in 2019, but I don't I don't see any picks or anything. Probably 2020 is what while. I'm thinking of. Uh, he, had, he had two fumble recoveries, yeah. So, that's probably when it was. Yep, that was it. Uh, let's see here. What other news do we have to get to? Uh, Stefan Johnson. We talked about him on the post-game pod. I mean, he just – he's electric. Uh, the Oklahoman, I believe it was uh, Jacob Unruh, wrote a really good story on him and his father. And Colby, he's one of ten. He's the youngest of ten children. His dad would throw the ball inaccurately on purpose because he would tell him that the quarterback can't always get it to you perfect. And that improved his catch radius. And it's kind of an interesting story if you go in and read it. Um, just his, his journey to Oklahoma State. I mean, he was committed to Oregon. Then the Oregon coach um, goes to Miami. He's kind of up in the air. Casey Dunn stays in contact. And he, he knew uh, Ollie Gordon from his high school days, kind of grew up with him. So he ends up at Oklahoma State. And, you know, if they, if they overturn the call like they should have on his catch, Colby, against Texas, he goes over 100 yards in a really a – wide receiver one role as a true freshman against Texas in a, in a massive spot. I just, it's almost as if Colby Oklahoma State has stumbled into a, a borderline superstar, a wide receiver. And I don't want to get too far over my skis here, but I think at at the very least, even when that receiving core gets healthy, he's a starter. I mean, he, he really impressed me. Yeah. I, that's a hard guy to take off the field, right? I know he's a freshman, I know you've got other guys who've paid their dues, who've grinded, and who deserve to be out there. And they do. I'm not saying they don't. Man, it would be hard to get Stephon Johnson off the field after what you saw a week ago. Because what amazed me, Carson, is, and maybe this is just by default, you've got to get it to somebody who's out there. Spencer looked really comfortable throwing his direction. He looked like he was looking his way and making it a point to get Stephon Johnson the ball. Uh, You know, he had a great catch up the sideline. He had the one across the middle of the field that was overthrown. Spencer threw it high, jumps, brings it down with a defender on his back. He's just, he looks a little bit different getting out of his routes, his acceleration, stuff like that. I just, the, the acceleration you can tell from some guys is different. I felt that way with Stephon Johnson. So Carson, there's a lot of guys who deserve reps at receiver right now. I, I, I honestly, from that perspective, uh, don't admire the Oklahoma State coaching staff because they've got to take some really good receivers and just have them stand on the sidelines and not get any playing time because they've got too many good ones. 
uh, and you can't just rotate nine receivers through in a game. Nobody will get into a rhythm with the quarterback. So uh, I don't know what it looks like at receiver the rest of the season for Oklahoma State, but I can't imagine that Stephon Johnson, it, it may not be the usage he got last week, but that guy's got to stay on the field. They call him Boogie. He's got the nickname of Boogie, but, uh, you know, it was interesting because you had Talon Shetron coming in the same class, Braylon Presley coming in the same class, two real headliners from the state of Oklahoma, which kind of overshadowed, you know, Johnson signed in February. So really kind of under the radar, uh, despite, you know, along with the, uh, the two, the two headliners from Oklahoma and Mike Gundy was asked about Stefan Johnson. He said, I would say he exceeded my expectations. The moment didn't get too big for him. That doesn't mean he's arrived yet. He has to do it multiple times, continuously and consistently. We all know Mike doesn't like true freshmen, doesn't like playing those guys, but I think I think he's left Mike no choice. And uh, and again, I thought it was interesting, Colby, just all the freshmen that got on the field, Chetron played, Johnson played. They were, they were playing a lot of young guys. And I think, you know, I look so much forward to – the tweets and stuff of what uniforms are going to wear. Uh, unfortunately, Colby, Dave Hunziker's address on the radio, as far as who's in and who's out, has become appointment listening on the on the, the pregame uh, to do list. It has. It's like it's my number one thing on Saturdays. It's uh, roughly an hour before kickoff or so. I'm just like, all right, getting on Twitter. Check. All right, who, who's in? Who's out? Who's in? Who's out? And scrolling. It's. It's stressful, right? Because there's been big names on that list the last few weeks. Um, one name I really hope I don't see on the inactive list Saturday is Preston Wilson. Uh, the guys who've been behind him, they've done a really an admirable job filling in. They've, they've blocked well. I don't think Spencer – It's look, it's not Russell Okung back there, but Spencer's had some time. There have been some holes for the running backs. Hasn't been great, but it's been fine. But, man, Preston Wilson, things just were operating smoothly earlier in the year whenever he was in there. Uh, I can't say enough how many times I, I just need the snap to get to Spencer cleanly. I don't need the quarterback uh, taking two seconds to get the ball and get his feet set in the pocket before he can even get into his drop because that screws up the timing of everything. Uh, so I really hope that whenever that inactive list comes out Saturday at about 1 or one thirty, that Preston Wilson's name is not on it. Yeah, would like to see him back. would like to see, uh, well, obviously everyone back, but Brock Martin also missed the Texas game. Uh, defensive line played really well. That's a position of strength, but – yeah, Thomas, just, Thomas if Harper. You're, if you're minus Jason Taylor, having Thomas Harper back would be nice. Yes, that, that really would. So, yeah, it's it's just really unfortunate the bye week uh, occurred when it did this year. It's uh, it's going to be tough. But Kansas State's really banged up, too. I think they're going to be missing, I think, one of their key players due to uh, targeting from the TCU game to start the first half. So, uh, or, yeah, to start the game. So, that'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, BS rule. Even when Oklahoma State benefits from it, BS rule. I had to guess the last two times Oklahoma State has played Kansas State. What would you guess through two games, the last two games, over under 100 yards for Deuce Vaughn? Over under 100? Yeah. The last two, two games I mean, combined. The fact that you're asking makes me think under. If you hadn't given me an over under, I probably would have guessed somewhere in the 140, 150 range, 70, 75 a game. Uh, last year's Oklahoma State defense was just so great. And Oklahoma State's been good against Kansas State. So I would have said in the 140, 150 range, but because you're asking, I'm assuming it's under. Well, he had 22 yards in last year's meeting. Oh my God. Just 22. And he had 40 yards the meeting before that. So, so it was that 62 yards total wow. combined the last two meetings. They've done a really good job with him. And that was on 17, 13, that's on 30 carries too. It's not as if, you know, he got hurt and didn't play. And so 
And he also is banged up coming into this matchup. I, I mentioned how banged up Kansas State is. Deuce Vaughn's a part of that. Uh, he's dealing with uh, some knocks as well. But that, that to me is the key, Colby. Like, if they can just minimize him the way they have the last two years, force Will Howard into trying to beat you with his arm, which, again, Will, I, I, I sound like I'm just dogging on Will Howard. He, he led four straight touchdown drives <laughs> coming in against TCU. Uh, I think that kind of leads me to believe they were prepared for him to play from the, from the jump. They obviously had a, a great plan in place for him, and they will coming into this game, I, I believe. So, But if you slow down Deuce Vaughn, Colby, they're, they're asking a lot of Will Howard in, in this matchup. Yeah, they are. It's, it's weird, the Deuce Vaughn thing. 62 yards in the last two matchups for what I think has been probably – you could say the second best running back in the Big 12 over the last couple of years behind Bijan. I, I think Deuce Vaughn has a case that he's been the best, most consistent running back in the Big 12. But if you want to default to Bijan, that's fine. But he's right up there. Uh, I think that's a testament to what Oklahoma State's been doing on the defensive side. And I don't know. It kind of just goes back to what I said earlier about matchups. Oklahoma State just they don't struggle with Deuce Vaughn. They don't they don't let him get off and do uh, what he did earlier this year. What was the game? I think it was against Texas Tech, where Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn each ran for 170 yards. Like that just that's not happening against Oklahoma State. I know Texas Tech and Oklahoma State are in different stratospheres uh, defensively, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think that Oklahoma State will get torched by Deuce Vaughn Carson. I also don't think he's going to have 22 rushing yards. I how about this? Because this can't continue, right? Deuce Vaughn's too good. Kansas State runs the ball too well. Oklahoma State lost a lot defensively. There's no way that Deuce Vaughn has less than 62 rushing yards in this game. As a matter of fact, if I put the over-under at 99.5, Carson, does Deuce Vaughn get to 100 rushing yards Saturday? What do you What do you say? I say no. Because no. clearly he is dealing with something because you just look at his uh, game log. He had 12 carries last week against TCU. He had 10 carries in a 10-9 to win over Iowa State. That obviously was a run-it-up-the-middle type, you know, Big Ten type football game. He only got 10 carries. That, to me, tells me he either got hurt in that game or was severely limited and really was in a, in a shootout against TCU as well because he only got 12 carries, and he's the best player on their team. So, so I'll, I'll probably go under on that, although he, he had 83 yards on just 12, 12 carries last week. Right. And this is why we don't claim to be experts on every team around the country, because I'm sure that there's some context that we're missing with those 10 and 12 carry games with Deuce Vaughn. Uh, assuming he's around that number, I don't think he gets there. If he's fully healthy, gets his full usage, let's say 20 touches, I, I think he probably hits 100. There were some holes last week for Bijan. I just think Kansas State is so committed to running the ball. Uh, but there's so many factors, Carson. I mean, which quarterback plays? is a factor for Deuce Vaughn. How much do you respect the passing game? Are you willing to load the box uh, and let your corners go one-on-one? -on -one? Maybe you, you shade a safety over the top occasionally, but for the most part, you're just flooding the box and, and forcing them to beat you through the air. There are other factors uh, that go into it, but I'll, I'll say this. Um, 15 or less carries, I don't think he gets to 100. 16 to, to 20 carries, I think he's probably flirting with it. If he gets 20 or more carries, uh, yeah, I would have to think that Deuce Vaughn will get to 100. Yeah, that'll be a huge, huge key. Uh, you mentioned that Jabbar Muhammad played some safety against Texas. Uh, that's something to watch for in this matchup, just who's in, who's out. Uh, we did cover that a little bit. And OSU now second nationally with just 3.86 penalties per game. That was a huge talking point against Texas. I thought, I thought Adam Lunt had a great thread on Twitter about going over all the penalties, and really it came down to a very – 
minimal difference it, when, once you factor in which ones were pre-snap and which ones were not. So uh, with that being said, Colby, let's get to the uh, game picks. What do you got this week? Who are you, who are you taking Oklahoma State against Kansas State? And again, Colby, whoever wins this, I mean, they're, in, they're really in the driver's seat. Obviously, you can't take any game any week off in the Big 12, but Oklahoma State, they got at Kansas, Iowa State at home, at OU, West Virginia at home. I mean, that after this game, it's basically it's bedlam, basically, for the chance to go to Jerry World, in my opinion. But who are you picking this weekend? Yeah, this is the big one. So I've, I've waffled a little bit on my score prediction here, but I felt pretty confident in picking Oklahoma State uh, this game all week. It's just Oklahoma State fares well against Kansas State. Climbing hasn't beat them. There's uncertainty at quarterback there. Regardless of which guy runs out there, how healthy is he at quarterback? You could probably ask the same thing about Spencer Sanders, but I think he looked pretty good last Saturday against Texas. So I do think it's a close game. I think it's a hard-fought game, but Oklahoma State is really good at winning the close ones in the fourth quarter. We, we talked about it on Sunday. It's why the TCU loss was so jarring to see the other team make one more play in the fourth quarter than Oklahoma State did. And then in the overtimes, it's that's not what we're used to. What we're used to is what we saw against Texas, which when two teams are close in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma State's going to make one more play. I think it's the same thing this week in Manhattan. Uh, I think this is a lower scoring game than Oklahoma State has been in. I think Oklahoma State wins it 31-27. to 27. Well, that's a close game. Uh, I, I like I it. Stressful. I do think it's going to be stressful. Yeah, and I, I think most people around the country are, are picking in that way, and I, I can see why. I mean, I, I do have a lot of respect for Chris Kleiman. I think he's a heck of a coach. And uh, it's never easy going to Manhattan. That is one of the tougher places to play in the Big 12. But just as I take a step back and, and just kind of look at this season as a whole, I mean, Oklahoma State – has really, for the most part, controlled every game they've been in. Texas game notwithstanding. Uh, Texas Tech, you could argue as well. But, man, when, when Mike Gundy plays as an underdog, let alone playing a ranked team, that's when he's at his absolute best. And, again, I think this OSU defense is far better than people are willing to admit or give credit to. Uh, they, they have some busts, which they had against Texas. I don't mean to overlook those things. But I think they were doing so against some elite-level offense. I thought Sarkeesian really pulled out all the tricks out of his bag that he could against Oklahoma State, and they still won that football game. I think Baylor really basically got lucky on some fourth downs, essentially. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy mentioned the calls got changed too late. I think they've learned from that. I think this is a real opportunity for Oklahoma State's defense to show people they know how to play and that they actually have athletes at every level. Now, I hope they're healthy. I hope they get some of these guys back in the lineup. But I think this is going to be a statement from them to where everyone will look around and go, oh, well, I'm sure people will make up excuses about Martinez being out or Will Howard just throws some picks. I really don't care. But on the, on the other hand, I think Oklahoma State's offense can roll out of bed and score 40 on most teams. I don't think they can do that here. I have a lot of respect for Kansas State's defense. So I think I think it is going to be lower scoring, but I think Oklahoma State gets close. I think I think Spencer has a really good game again. I mean, he's become Mr. Consistency. I mean, we used to just wonder each week when we were picking the games, which Spencer were we getting, good Spencer or bad Spencer? And he's been elite Spencer this year. And I, I still laugh at all these Heisman lists that don't even include him. The Athletic had basically every quarterback in the country listed but Spencer Sanders, which is a total joke. But I'm picking Oklahoma State – 35, Kansas State, 13. I think whoa, Oklahoma State whoa, absolutely whoa, shuts whoa, them down. Whoa. Did you say 35 to 13? I did. 
Oh, I mean, hey, good for you. That's a that's a little bit of a limb. It feels like you're going out on. I'm the only one picking this in a blowout. So yeah, I am going out on a limb. I just, again, I do have respect for Kansas State, but they got a whole lot left to prove. I mean, they haven't exactly played the cream of the crop in the Big Twelve yet. Um, I mean, they've played TCU. They lost. Uh, now they did. They did have some quarterback issues. They beat Iowa State ten to nine. Um, they got four turnovers from tech and they embarrassed OU, but still won that game by seven when OU was at their absolute worst. Like, I think they're, I think they're ripe for the pick in here. And I, I think, I just think, as I mentioned earlier, I just don't think they can match up stylistically with OSU's offense. Sure. They, they did in the first half against TCU, but what happened once TCU woke up, they, they pretty much got flat out dominated and you can blame that on the quarterback. That's, that's fine. But I think the same thing is going to happen throughout in this game. You know, TCU scored 38 on them, gave up 28. I think Oklahoma State's defense plays much better for four quarters and and wins going away. That's that's my pick. Yeah, I hope you're right. I really do. That's uh, I, I can see where you're coming from there. They've got a lot left to prove. They've been unimpressive at times this season. It's they could still be getting the artificial boost from being the first team to beat Oklahoma, right? When everybody thought Oklahoma was. Oklahoma. Um, so yeah, I, I could see where that could happen. I just, I, I don't know. Oklahoma state just, they don't typically run away from teams. I'll say this though, the three game stretch in the middle of the schedule here, Carson, double overtime loss to TCU seven point win against Texas after trailing by 10 in the second half, whether it's by 22 or, or four, if they go to Manhattan and beat Kansas state on Saturday, that will be a, a major success for that three-game stretch in the middle of your season. I might even throw Tech in there and make it a four-game stretch because I think Tech is not done beating people in this conference yet. That's just that's a pretty good month of October for Oklahoma State because this was kind of the make-or-break month for your season, and depending what happens Saturday, it, it can either be everything you hoped it would be and a clear path to Jerry's world, just go take care of business, you'll be favored uh, the rest of the way. Who knows in Norman? That's a weird deal with Vegas, but uh, – yeah, th- this is a big one, Carson, because this this makes the difference uh, between controlling your own destiny and sitting around hoping for other people to lose. So this is a big one. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at Kansas State. I, this is another reason I I think they got a lot to prove. Um, they've lost their only real challenge so far. Then they got Texas at home next week at Waco, at Morgantown, Kansas at home. I mean, and again, Chris Kleiman. I have a lot of respect for him. He's lost at least five games every season he's been there. When wow. He went seven and five, four and six, seven and five. I think we kind of do this every year with Kansas State. They'll get a big win over OU earlier in the year. And we're like, oh, my God, Kansas State, they're big. Tw-. And they lose five games. And I think this is going to be one of them. And I think Oklahoma State's going to make a real statement. I really do. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. That's uh, You make some good points about Kansas State. I, I still think it's close. But, yeah, I would hope you're right as opposed to me. Uh, yeah, Kansas State's minus 125 on the money line. I mean, I don't know. Is that is that too that's, much credit being given to the field advantage? Is that just because they're at home? Because, man, that seems like – it just feels like the Oklahoma State the, – like Oklahoma State's clearly the better football team here. Uh, and, and, again, I just feel I like think, it's a little, little disrespect. I, I just think people think Oklahoma State is vastly overrated. That's That's just – that's become kind of the consensus. You know, you hear people on all the talking heads. Well, they've been outgained in most of their games and their defense isn't any good. And Spencer Sanders, I mean, you got, you got an article on ESPN. Let me, did you see my tweet on this? 
There was an article on ESPN. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, talking about uh, Spencer being the best bad or, or worst good QB? Yes. This, this is an article like trying to praise Oklahoma State for beating Texas. And you've got this guy on ESPN calling him. I don't know if he's the uh, – man, I tweet too much. I can't find it. You, you, it basically, it said, I can't decide whether Spencer Sanders is the best bad quarterback in the country or the worst good quarterback in the country. Right. I'm like, what the hell is this guy watching? He's he's the reigning first team all Big 12 quarterback and he's easily one of the best players in the league this year. And what the hell are you talking about, dude? And this is on this is on espn.com. So this this is just how people view Oklahoma State. They're just this school over there and their quarterback used to throw interceptions, so I don't know if he's good or he's bad, and I just I don't want to pay attention to them, so this is what I'm going to come up with. And it's just that's what you're left with, and I think it's going to take another season finishing strong like it did last year, and I think that's what's about to happen. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're uh, right. Let's get to uh, Chris's uniform. uniform re- uh, Let me start that over. Let's get to the Chris's University up. Spirit uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Uh, be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, we haven't been very good on our uniform picks lately, Colby. Uh, what do you got this week? Uh, no, it's tough because they've been throwing some new combinations at us, some different helmets. Uh, so this week for Kansas State, I think they go back simple. I think it's black, black. I think they might go white on the pants. Um, I, I just, I it's can't. On, it's on the road. They have to wear a white jersey. Oh, pardon me. I, I meant to say black, white, black is what I meant. Oh, okay. I got uh, you. Black, black, white. Black, white, black. Um, I, I was debating on helmets, but I'm going to go black with the simple OSU insignia on the side, just the brand. Uh, I do think – now I'm questioning myself because I'm pretty sure Iowa State's a blackout game. So how much black on top of black on top of black do you want to have? Uh, but I'll stick with it. I'll go black, white, black for the uniforms this week. Uh, no curse of Cowboys, no, nothing crazy, just the normal OSU brand on the side. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I really wanted to pick gray, like gray pants, maybe even a gray helmet, but that would look exactly like Kansas State. You can't – like they already screwed that up once this year with Texas Tech. That looked like a damn Texas Tech spring game when they wore the black, black, white, which I love. It looked great, but they got to factor in the other team better, I feel like. So part of me wanted to go gray, white, gray, or white, white, gray. I just don't think you can do that against Kansas State. So I'm going to go with my pick from last – road game and go orange helmet cursive cowboys white jersey orange pants and uh because they haven't worn an orange helmet yet they've worn white they've worn black they have not worn orange or anything else so i'm gonna go orange white orange on my pick uh yeah i like it i like it we're both uh same same helmet has, and pants combo has southwell tweeted his pick check he, he nailed a, a, a helmet that didn't exist <laughs> I, I don't know i got that right last week shout out to him oh, All the credit, man. that was that was nuts that was pretty great. So those are our picks, Colby. Anything else strike you nationally before we get out of here? Um, you know, I mean, always keep half an eye on what OU's doing. They've got the same line uh, that Oklahoma State and Kansas State have. Uh, just flip the favorite. The home team is the underdog in that one. OU travels two aims for that game Saturday at 11. I do kind of enjoy Carson about a good road game. One good thing about a road game, you can just hang out, 
Watch all the other teams in the Big 12. OU and Iowa State, that's a one-and-a-half-point uh, line at 11. There's another Big 12 game. Left. TCU West Virginia is also at 11, and that's only a seven-and-a-half-point spread for a TCU game coming off what they probably felt like was the hardest part of their schedule with OSU and Kansas State in back-to-back weeks. They sneak by. They're, they're down by at least 14 to both of those teams. Sneak by and win both games. I could see a letdown game coming for TCU Saturday morning in Morgantown. Don't know if West Virginia is good enough to capitalize even if TCU doesn't play well, but I, I'm keeping a pretty close eye on that one because if TCU does have a letdown game, then all of a sudden that opens up a bunch of scenarios in the Big 12 as we head into November. I don't believe that they've won in Morgantown yet. And I think that's a very sharp, sharp pick because, again, it's really hard to go undefeated. You look at the point spread, seven and a half, um, the place I'm looking, you know, someone in Vegas, I'm like, seven and a half, that's it? I'm hammering TCU. They're undefeated. And that, that is totally a spot where a team loses on the schedule, kind of very similar to when OSU went up to Ames. I just – I'm with you there. I, I – if I was in Vegas, I would be putting a sizable wager on uh, West Virginia. I think they might win that outright. I'm with you. I, I think there's a decent chance. I was uh, Chisholm Holland. He and I are still good friends from doing radio together. They have a guest picker every week for their locks. Uh, and he asked me to do it this week. And one of mine that I sent in, I sent in West Virginia plus seven and a half. So I'm, I'm pretty confident in the Mountaineers. Uh, nationally, well, I just, I don't see a ton here nationally. Florida, Georgia does nothing for me in the 230 slot. Kentucky, Tennessee. Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee is one of those games that I'm only tuning in if it's close in the fourth quarter. I'm not sitting down and watching uh, a three-and-a-half or these days four, four-and-a-half-hour uh, game there. Michigan State, Michigan is a disaster because Michigan State's terrible. Baylor, Texas Tech, I'm interested in. Did you see the line on that game, Carson? I didn't. What is it? Texas Tech's a two-and-a-half-point home favorite over Baylor. Holy moly. Aaron Morton. Baron Morton, Carson, Oklahoma State had to be the guinea pigs for Baron Morton, and everybody else is about to find out. And and I just I cannot wait for these playoff shows to just not even know what's going on with Texas Tech. Forget the fact that you got you had Heather Dinich on national television just calling them a, an ordinary three and three football team, not realizing they'd played nothing but ranked opponents. And you know, everyone was trying to pump up Texas with Quinn Ewers. Well, they didn't have Quinn Ewers for these games. Could we let them in the playoff? Are, are they are these same people going to realize that Texas Tech is <laughs> – I don't want to play Texas Tech if I'm anyone else in the Big 12 right now. That dude can ball. And they might just blow out Baylor. They really might. I, I still think people have given up on Baylor too soon. Now, three losses, uh, two in the Big 12. They need a lot of help. But I still think they're a good football team. But, boy, I, I'm glad Baron Morton's in the rearview mirror this season. He, yeah. he has completely changed the outlook on Texas Tech football. Uh, yeah, he absolutely has. I, and the thing is, there's nothing like super – Donovan Smith, he was turnover prone, but he was a fine starting quarterback. That's what he was. He was a fine college starting quarterback. I think Baron Morton has the, the capability of being an exceptional starting college quarterback. Uh, still not a ton of film out on him, so that's another one, Carson. It is just an all-day – if you're a Big 12 fan, and that's usually where, where my viewing interests lie in college football because uh, I want to know what happens as it pertains to Oklahoma State. It's from 11 o'clock, and then Baylor and uh, Texas Tech don't kick until 6.30, and you know any game played in Lubbock is going four hours. So we've got 11 until about 10. So we've probably got 11 straight hours of what I think is just going to be great Big 12 football tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, I think I might just sit down, watch every last second of it. 
Sounds good to me. Uh, again, we'll have our uh, our live post-game show Sunday at noon, hopefully talking about a win. The numbers were back to where they were in the win over Tech. I think people like a winner, Colby. So for your sake and my <laughs> sake, let's hope uh, Oklahoma State wins on Saturday. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. Looking forward to it, Carson. I hope your score prediction is right. That would be much less, uh, much less stressful than mine. So appreciate everybody listening. We're back Sunday at noon. Follow us on Twitter. We will tweet that link out at Carson underscore OKC at Colby J. Powell. Follow us on Twitter. We'll see you Sunday at noon on YouTube Live. As always, go Pokes!